Israel, Turkey, South Africa, Canada. Over the course of his career, filmmaker Chuck Kwan has traveled the world. Cuba, India, Brazil, Argentina, Peru. Chuck is a man on a mission, a truly delicious mission, to document the global Chinese diaspora all through its many Chinese restaurants. And on his travels, there's a question that he hears a lot. Have you eaten yet? Have you eaten yet? It's a uh, kind of traditional Chinese greeting, meaning, how are you? Asking if somebody's stomach is full is like asking, are you well? Have You Eaten Yet is now also the title of Chuck's new book. It is part travelogue, part memoir, and it takes us behind the scenes of a documentary project Chuck has been working on for years, traveling to Chinese restaurants in 15 countries all around the world. So today, on Alice Obscura, Chuck Kwan takes us on a round-the-world meal. We'll have three courses in three incredible places with three stories of Chinese immigration. I'm Dylan Thuris, your host, and I am hungry. Our first course, after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S.com. Filmmaker Chuck Kwan is a cosmopolitan kind of guy. He calls himself a card-carrying member of the Chinese diaspora. He was born in Hong Kong, he grew up in Singapore and Japan, and he studied in the U.S. Today, Chuck lives in Toronto, Canada. And to get a small taste of his odyssey tracking Chinese restaurants all around the world, we are going to have a three-course meal curated by Chuck. And it begins surprisingly close to his home. So I think we're going to start in your backyard in Saskatchewan. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about the new Alec Cafe. It's two hours from another big city, Saskatoon. You know, big sky, wheat fields. And the town was about 1,200 people with a main street that has no stoplights. On the main street, right across from a car dealer, is New Alec Cafe. And this is a very typical Chinese cafe. You know, you have coffee, uh, hash brown, sunny side up, bacon, pork chops, apple pie, 
And then, of course, chop suey and uh, egg fuyong and, you know, your traditional Chinese-American staples. The New Alec Cafe, where was this in the sequence of visiting Chinese restaurants for this project? Actually, it was my first trip, first shoot. I thought, well, this is my home country. And the little cafe in the small town in the prairies is exactly the kind of story that I would like to tell. Uh, not just because of the location, but because of how Noisy Jim uh, came to Canada as a 13-year-old boy. Why he's called Noisy Jim is because he was noisy. You know, Jim was kind of his uh, paper name. Uh, His real name was not Jim. Noisy Jim is what's known in Canada as a paper son. In 1923, Canada passed a law which banned Chinese immigrants from entering the country. And the United States had a similar law. But many people found ways around this. One was buying a birth certificate or papers of a Chinese person already in Canada who had died. He got on the boat, came all the way to Vancouver and took the train all the way to Saskatchewan to be with his paper father, somebody who had sponsored him. Of course, that paper father meant the father, quote unquote, had a son that he lost. So he gave the birth certificate of his son to Noisy Jim. He came in as a 13-year-old and then became a Canadian, of course, and then, you know, lived happily ever after. Noisy Jim ran the new Outlook Cafe for over 40 years. And Chuck told us that over time, it became a lot more than just a cafe. And the small town of Outlook was almost like the unofficial town hall. The restaurant became a, a social center, you know, some of the customers have keys to the restaurant, so they would come in and open it in case the gym is late. They would make their own breakfast, leave the money in the counter, and then go. And then late at night, the teenagers would come in after a movie, and, and they hang out. So he became so popular in town that they, they wanted him to run for mayor. He said, no, 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 I don't want to run this. I don't want to get involved in politics. He had been running the the restaurant for more than 40 years before he died, a year after I interviewed him. So he was so well uh, liked that when he passed away, they held a funeral at a hockey arena. Almost half the time we're there to see him go. This is a place that combines Canadian and, and Chinese heritage. What did the New Outlook Cafe, like, what did it tell you, this little restaurant in this small town with this sort of diehard um, community support? Superficially, the story is that there's a Chinese restaurant everywhere. And that's a starting point, actually, of my journey was that I wanted to look for Chinese restaurants around the world. A Chinese restaurant or a Chinese cafe is the easiest way for an immigrant to get a new life in a new country. He doesn't have to speak the language, doesn't have to know how to cook. Chinese food is is in such a way that it's so popular that you can fool a lot of people a lot of times with, you know, uh, your own Chinese food. It's a nice vehicle to survive. What is our first course at New Outlook? What is the meal that's like emblematic of that place and that kind of uh, Chinese restaurant? I would say breakfast at the New Outlook Cafe. A cup of coffee and bacon and eggs. You know, we're having Chinese-Canadian food. Chuck went to some fairly far-flung places for his food journey. 
and he wanted to take us to one. So for our second course, Chuck is bringing us to Madagascar, specifically the port city of Tamatov, also known as Toamasina. Now, I want to say something. Before I made this movie or wrote this book, I never knew there were Chinese in Madagascar. I never knew that until I got there and I found out that there were five generations of Chinese who have settled in Madagascar. Uh, they were brought in by the French colonial government to build railroads, for example, and to run farms, to do all kinds of labor, uh, sometimes indentured laborers uh, in Madagascar. And so for lunch, Chuck is taking us to a spot called Restaurant Lajad, run by a chef named Mide Chan. Mide is a fabulous woman who had never been to China or Hong Kong, and yet she speaks a very fluent Cantonese, and she cooks one of the best meals that I've ever had. She ran a seafood place, so it was like fantastic, freshest seafood, lobster, oysters, garupa, everything that you can get from the Indian Ocean two blocks away. A steamed garupa with ginger and scallion. That's one of my favorite comfort food. The whole fish being steamed and then pour over with soy sauce and uh, oil and, you know, scallion and ginger. So that would be my lunch. Uh, as your second course. <laughs> I, li- I like that. Sounds delicious. I mean, so one of the th- questions this raises for me is, um, you know, you're talking about generations of five generations of, of um, the Chinese diaspora in Madagascar. Can you tell me a little bit about sort of what the community in Madagascar is like? What is kind of the experience of the Chinese in Madagascar that you saw? Imagine five generations of a lot of men who came here as indentured laborers, they would marry local women. So in that sense, a majority of the people, so-called Chinese Malagasy's, are in fact mixed uh, with the local Malagasy's, and sometimes French. But what's amazing that I found out was that a lot of them speak perfect Cantonese because for many years, the community had built Chinese schools in Madagascar all over the place so that they can preserve uh, their Chinese culture. So a third-generation chef like Mide, she has never been outside of Madagascar, and yet she speaks perfect, uh, she writes, and she even teaches Chinese in in the local Chinese school before she opened the restaurant. The second amazing phenomenon was, of course, the national dish of Madagascar is uh, called soup chinoise, which is Chinese soup. It's basically wonton soup. Uh, everybody has it, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So, you know, one of my courses would be uh, wonton soup for your lunch. It's amazing. Let's go on to our third location, our third course. And this is an interesting one because it sort of brings you through time a little bit. In 1976, I was uh, traveling through Turkey. I looked up the guidebook, and the guidebook said that... uh, the only Chinese restaurant in Istanbul is called China Restaurant, and and the owner had walked from China. So I was very curious, how did he walk from China? I, I just have a little sidebar on this thing. I actually had dinner and drinks with a French Vietnamese man, and he turned out to be a serial killer. Whoa. Wait, so you're, okay, you're saying it's 1976, you're in Istanbul, 
you go to the this Chinese restaurant and then you you meet like another traveler. Right. And you go out for drinks. Right. And he turned around and said, look, you know, I could have drugged you because of this and that. And uh, I'm, I'm wanted by the Interpol. I'm, uh, I'm, I just escaped from a French prison. I'm hiding in Istanbul right now. And for many years, I, I thought, wow, who's this guy, you know? To cut a long story short, have you watched the Netflix series called The Serpent? No, I'm aware of it, though. Yeah. It's this guy. So that's a sidebar. Yeah, that's a wild story. It's a good thing Chuck was not murdered for lots of reasons, but one of which is that we would not be able to take this trip with him. So back to the restaurant then, the place from the guidebook called China Restaurant. So fast forward uh, to 2001. So that's 25 years later. And I finally found out the entire story of how the man had walked from China. It turned out that he was from a Muslim family and his whole family escaped Mao Zedong. Uh, flee China uh, during the 1949 uh, Communist Revolution. Uh, and they were actually in Northwest uh, China. They were posted in Xinjiang, which is where the Uyghurs are. And so instead of following the rest of the uh, nationalist China go to Taiwan, they went across the Himalayas on horseback, on uh, donkeys and, and walking partway. It's a three-week journey, three or four weeks journey into Pakistan. And from Pakistan, they migrated to Turkey, and he grew his family there from the 50s. I really enjoy the dumplings in this place. Of course, uh, dumplings are, in Chinese culinary scene are usually made with pork. But this place, of course, do not allow pork, so they use beef. They're the beef dumplings. And they have done it... Uh, pan fried, uh, you know, in soup, and uh, also mutton dumplings. So uh, that would be my my third course. Yeah, mm, mutton dumplings sound delicious. <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah, it is. It is very, <laughs> if you like mutton, then mutton, mutton dumplings is like heaven. This is maybe a silly question, but is there something distinctive about Chinese food that makes it sort of so adaptable and gives it such a a global appeal and flexibility? I'm also questioning this myself. Like, I, you know, the obvious answer was that, you know, a lot of people used to walk to, to cook the food. And with the walk, you can put any kind of things in there. Huh. Stir fry together and it could be a hybrid. It doesn't have to be what the recipe calls for. I think it has to do with the inventiveness of the people in the kitchen. And I would trace it back to a human factor that people... To survive, uh, you have to cater to what your customers want. I'm from the Midwest, so we're obviously a big dairy-centric uh, diet, and I'm from Minnesota. So cream cheese wontons are like a very classic Chinese uh, wow. thing. So it's wontons just filled with cream cheese. Yeah, <laughs> You'll wind up on me on, on inventive Chinese food. This is amazing. I never heard of that. Oh, really? <laughs> No, exactly. No, no. This is like too far out for me. <laughs> Chuck, thank you for all the time. Uh, this has been really an amazing conversation. I appreciate you taking us through these places and, and the dishes. And uh, congratulations on the book. It's been just great to talk to you. Thank you. Chuck Kwan's new book is called Have You Eaten Yet? 
And you can check out his documentary series that started it all. It's called Chinese Restaurants, and every episode is up on YouTube. We'll link it in our episode description. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. This episode was produced by Amanda McGowan. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There is a link in the episode description. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall, and I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time. Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.